Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, hey, good morning. Scott Luton, Crystal Davis with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Crystal, how are we doing? Good morning. Doing well despite this froggy voice. I feel great. <laughs> well, it's how so are great. You? <laughs> We're doing great. You know, with the froggy voice, it just means it's time for voiceover work, right, Crystal? You ready? There you go. <laughs> well, it's great to have you back. I really enjoyed uh, our work together this year. Of course, it, it 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 goes back several years since we first met at a um, AME event, and have really admired your work and your leadership. And I, I um, uh, love your POV. I think you help a lot of folks. So it's great to be able to co-host some of these conversations, Crystal. I know. I mean, I'm particularly excited about today. Lots well, of juicy stuff. Agreed. I'm with you. We uh, we've got one of our favorite repeat guests here today. More on that in just a second. But most importantly, we're talking today about how leaders can work to ensure opportunities for all in this really uh, constantly challenging environment. So we're going to be getting Crystal's observations, as well as, as I mentioned, one of our favorite repeat guests, Hannah Kane, president and CEO with ALAM. ALAM, I think I nailed that, uh, Hannah, at the, as I appear at it in the green room. Hey, we're going to be touching on the Build Back Better bill. We're going to be touching on the recent Infrastructure Act. That's where, you know, all that's working its way through government and you name it. And of course, industry. We're going to uh, get Crystal and Hannah's take on what that might mean for global supply chains and for folks looking for opportunities. So stay tuned for what promises to be an informative and intriguing conversation. Am I right, Crystal? Absolutely. I am so excited about today. I mean, the the, the theme that you've laid out Right. Creating opportunities for all. I think all of those topics fit so well in that thing. Agreed. Agreed. And that's that is our responsibility as leaders, for sure. Yes. Not to leave anybody behind. So uh, before we bring before we say hello to a few folks, I'll see you, Jonathan and Latif and Paul. Great to see you all. I want to make just a couple of quick announcements. We've got some. Hey, no rest for the weary. We we're <laughs> we're rolling into the end of this year right into the beginning of next year, not missing the beat. Just too much going on in global business, really. Uh, January 13th, Crystal, we've got a practical uh, webinar focused on pra practical strategies for adapting to demand and supply uncertainty. And there's no shortage of uncertainty out there in the marketplace, is there? Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. And we're going to talk about that, un that uncertainty today. How we sure are. We sure are. So join us for this webinar with our friends from the Tools Group on January 13th, 2022. And that's at a special time, 3 p.m. Eastern time. Mm -hmm. So join us for that. The link to join is in the show notes, or you can go to supplychainnow.com. And also, adapt or die. Have you ever heard that phrase, Crystal? Uh, similar. <laughs> similar. Okay. Right. I love it. Yeah. It, and there's so much truth, right? Uh, yes. There's so much truth in that. So we're going to be joined by the one and only Jeremy Bodenhammer, uh, author of Adapt or Die, Your Survival Guide to Modern Warehouse Automation. And I tell you, I, I was on an event with our friends over at Six River Systems, uh, Crystal with Jeremy. 
And he does not fake the funk on a nasty dunk. He brings it every single time. It's the only way to be, right? That's the only way to be. And that's <laughs> such a hot topic given that there's this war for talent, particularly in the supply chain space. I love it. Agreed. Agreed. All right. And finally, you know, th this has been a little pet project of mine and Kelly Barner's for a year or so. I may be going back a little longer in a year. And, and so every week we drop a podcast really focused on the intersection of history and business. Uh, this week in business history. Imagine that. What a creative title. huh? Uh, so for this week, I looked at some things you don't know about two businesses that everybody knows. Kentucky Fried Chicken, one of our favorites around here, and uh, Ben and Jerry's, which are the uh, makers of my favorite ice cream. Have you ever had Cherry Garcia? I've not had that flavor, but I like their, um, what is it? It's like a, it's not Mississippi mud, but it's similar to Mississippi mud. Well, their chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream oh, yeah, is going in the hall of fame of global ice cream. I think it's one of our bigger sell sellers. It could be that one, but Cherry Garcia was one of their earlier hits. They named of course for Jerry Garcia and Crystal. Mm -hmm. He said when they sent him eight pints of ice cream and they got his response through his PR rep, his, his quote was something like, well, it tastes pretty good, but uh, I'm good with it as long as no one's out there naming motor oil after me. I'll take ice cream. So <laughs> I guess he was a fan of Cherry Garcia. But y'all can check out This Week in Business History wherever you get your podcast from. Okay, so Crystal, before we bring on the one and only Hannah Kane, let's say hello to a few folks. Some of our favorite folks have showed up in the comments Jonathan is tuned in via LinkedIn. Jonathan, we'd love to know where you're tuned in from. We like to connect the dots because the world crystal is really small, right? Very small. Very small. Yeah. And it's getting smaller it, and smaller every day. Uh, crystal and I both are in the metro Atlanta area, by the way. Yeah, the temperature but, can't decide what it wants to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's Minneapolis one day and it's Florida the next or something. <laughs> Latif, great to see you here via LinkedIn. Let us know where you're tuned in from. I look forward to all, all of your comments here today. Paul from Fremont, California. Happy to be, be participating via LinkedIn. Great to see you, Paul. I like that. I like that headshot. That is warm, friendly, confident. You want to go out and, and have a beer with Paul, don't you? Absolutely. <laughs> funny California. Yeah, that's right. Gene Pledger from North Alabama. Gene, great to see you here today. Hope this finds you well. Uh, he's one of our favorites. Gene made a trip up to Chicago not too long ago, Crystal, and ate at some of the finest restaurants known to humanity. So, and, and sent us some pictures too. Steaks, oh, wow. steaks about that thick. Wow. <laughs> so, and then some wow. kaketsu. Uh, great. And I hope I got that right. If I didn't, let me know. It's important yeah. to get everybody's name right. Uh, good morning. Very excited and happy to participate. Joining from Botswana yes. uh, via LinkedIn. Great to see you here. Love it. All right. And asking you shall receive. Jonathan is tuned in from Lafayette, mm -hmm. Louisiana. How about that? You've been there, Crystal. I have actually. And I'm originally from Mississippi. Really? So that yeah. Neighboring what, states. Mm -hmm. And you're, of course, a big. Uh, so, Jonathan, thank you for sharing that, by the way. You're a big Mississippi State fan, right? You got it right. I'm wearing the maroon today. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, and they... Leach is the coach Leach. Is that the football coach at Mississippi mm -hmm. State? Is that right? All right. That's, that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. I think so too. And he they're making a comeback. Their air raid is his <laughs> offense, I believe. So <laughs> we got faith. We got faith. And oh Jonathan. Oh man. Jonathan, go Tigers. <laughs> that's good stuff, Jonathan. I'm great they to see you here. Talk noise down in the swamp. That's right. 
That's right. Well, Paul, hey, we mean it. And great to see you. Uh, Sylvia Judy is tuned in. We, gosh, she's been a part of, I think, three live streams this week. She is making stuff happen and move uh, in the Charleston, South Carolina area. She is um, in lo the logistics business, uh, Crystal. Awesome. awesome. I hope Sylvia's getting in on that Volvo stuff down there. <laughs> I do, too. I know one of the things that she's getting into is jelly and jam making. She is... Oh. Uh, Oh, she's one of the best. So, and if you're lucky, you might just get some of her product. So we'll see. I see somebody just, I don't know who the name is, but they just put Roll Tide in there. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> so sometimes, and folks, thank you. We, we love the sports banner. Um, if, it, if it shows up like this, it just means you've got a LinkedIn setting, a security setting. So Amanda or Clay, maybe you can let us know who who is the big Bama fan. And finally, Latif is working in let's see ksa i should know the acronym ksa is that um oh. well we'll see we'll, we'll figure that out i bet hannah can help us with that so uh are you ready crystal to introduce our guests here today ready, ready to bring her in you know what i am i'm so excited i'm gonna actually do a little reading here because i just i just love all the things that she's involved in awesome love yeah, well, and, and Hannah's been here before, so she's she's a she's a fan favorite. She is one of our big time repeat guests. We had to go through her agent to get her booked. I want to join, uh, welcome in Hannah Kane, president and CEO with Alam. Hey, hey, Anna, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, and I'm so excited to be here. So thanks for inviting me, and I really look forward to to our discussion today. We do too. We do too. It's great to, to, for all three of us to get together. We enjoyed our pre-show conversation and uh, we're ready to go. And I should have known this as Latif has reminded me, it's Saudi Arabia, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. I should have gotten that KSA. Latif, great to have you here. Look forward to your perspectives. And one final thing before we get started, Chris, Sylvia is wearing maroon today as well. She's a big South Carolina Gamecocks fan and she was involved with Volvo, as you mentioned. She said she introduced pink hard hats to Volvo Ridgeville. How about that, Hannah and Crystal? <laughs> Love that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. So, well, we're going to get started. Uh, you know, we, we were just talking about jelly and jam with Sylvia. Before we get into uh, you know, the center plate of our discussion today, we're going to have a little fun because we're going to talk about National Maple Syrup Day. That's today. Who would have thunk maple syrup has its own day? Uh, but it does. So, <laughs> Hannah and Crystal, I want to pose, and, and, and Hannah, we'll start with you. You know, when I think of maple syrup, I think of breakfast, and then I start thinking about all of my favorite breakfast foods. So question for you as we get warmed up here, what's your favorite breakfast, uh, breakfast dish or your favorite place to get breakfast? Oh, I'll talk about that, Scott. But, uh, you know, when I hear maple syrup, the first thing I'm thinking about is my famous uh, cold walnut uh, ice cream souffle. And that ha that has so much good maple syrup in it. You can really feel it. And rum, I love rum. Right? And 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 of course walnuts and all the sinful things. And so that's why I use my maple syrup. But you know the favorite place to get the to get breakfast. Uh, I was just in London, and you know I did a trip to Europe and. Honestly, it was mostly vacation, but I can always claim it was to check out the supply chain situation over there, right? <laughs> so I was in London. I, I had this fantastic uh, breakfast, with, which was super sinful. It was at a Gordon Ramsay restaurant with the 
lobster and uh, you know venetians and stuff Ooh. like that so it was yeah it was a real diet thing you know so, <laughs> <laughs> well so, i love your I, I, that, the taste is still uh, in my brain right you know <laughs> i'm, I'm uh, but uh, you know i've got a number of different places i like to go for breakfast but uh, that that was certainly good I love it. And I also love your approach to market research, Hannah. We all should take a page out of your book. Crystal, oh, that's going to be tough to top. So when it comes I, to I, breakfast dishes, your favorite places, what comes to mind? Now, there's a favorite place I have here in Atlanta. It's called the Original Pancake House. And it's not IHOP, not International House of Pancake, but the <laughs> right, Original right. Pancake House. But then I have a very interesting and quick syrup story. <laughs> so growing up in, in Mississippi, there's, it's not maple syrup. I just confirmed that it's not. But there's a syrup. Uh, the brand is Blackburn Syrup. And so they don't sell it here in Georgia. Now, I can order anything I want offline. But every time my parents come home, come to visit, I'm like, Mom, please bring me some <laughs> So she came for Thanksgiving. She bought six, six or seven bottles. Nice, Mom. Nice. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'll never run out of syrup. How long do they last? <laughs> yes. Yeah, they have a pretty good shelf life. Okay. Outstanding. Yeah. That, that but, is... but do they outlast their shelf life is the question. That's the question <laughs> yeah. in my house. Yeah, right? I'm not that person. I so trust the shelf life that's on the label. I'm like, no. No, but the question is the question is whether they are gone the next day, right? My <laughs> my question is not whether I think like that. Uh, right. How fast do you go through it, Crystal? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't go through it as fast as my uncle. I'd say uh, let, those those two bottles will probably last me a year. <laughs> I love that. I love mom coming through uh, syrup okay. supply chain. Uh, and I hope both of y'all get a chance to really enjoy some downtime with the family over the next couple of weeks. Echoing a couple things here, Sylvia says, you had me at rum and ice cream oh, souffle. I, <laughs> I love that, Sylvia. And Sadaquat, maybe? Uh, if I got that wrong, please let me know. But great to have you here via LinkedIn. I uh, look forward to your POV here today. One last comment about rum. Uh, my dear grandmother made a great rum cake, but on mm. one such occasion... She she uh, heavy handed some rum and we had a very eventful lunch. <laughs> I might be exaggerating just a smidge, but uh, I still remember her laughing over uh, using too much of one ingredient. So love how food brings well, back well, all it, kinds it of. It can happen with rum. Plus, you need to taste it when you use it. Right. You know, right. just to make sure it's still good. <laughs> right. right. So, all right. So uh, we could talk about food for hours. I want to switch over. You know, we're going to talk a lot about. Uh, leadership and how it can empower and how it should empower opportunities for all. But before we get there, you know, Hannah Kane, you joined us for a uh, podcast. I can't believe I had, to, I had to go double check. We released that in January 2021, almost a year ago. And of course, no shortage of things. Yeah, isn't that crazy, Crystal? No shortage of things have happened since. But I know you want to kind of give a few updates and maybe expound on a thought or two from your time with us a year or so ago. So let's start there. What's the latest, Hannah? What's on your mind? Oh, there's so much going on this year. It's been a super exciting year from many perspectives, and especially being in, in supply chain. Some supply chain professionals may say it has been too, too uh, 
too uh, exciting, right? Right. Uh, uh, but last year, uh, I think we all thought about, okay, how fast can we shift over and deal with this new reality? And and okay. one of the things that stuck with me after after our last session was we talked about Elam having switched over really fast and started being part of the solution for the COVID uh, crisis. And, right. and how could we... Uh, so, so we are doing millions of, of COVID testing kits each week, and and the question was uh, how how did we shift over so fast? And I think uh, then we also spoke spoke a little bit about this thing that I had started the company being an immigrant, right? And I mm-hmm. and I I was thinking afterwards maybe it was some of the same tools you pull out, right? You 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 get into a new environment, and the environment you're used to really doesn't exist any longer as far as your reality and so you've got to shift to the new reality and so maybe some of the tools that that i pulled out as an immigrant also helped Mm -hmm. in 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 that business transformation and i think it still does right because i mean the realities are shifting so fast right last year was all about the supply chain demand shifting so very very fast and this year has been more about the supply crisis and the logistics uh, breakdown and a number of other things that have impacted everybody in supply chain so i think you need to reposition and rethink supply chain and what's really important Uh, and and i hope today we get some time to talk about the long-term prospects for what should supply chain professionals think about long term? Because, you know, I mean, in 2020, we put band-aids on everything. Right. And, 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 and I think now we are at the end of the second year of the pandemic and we have got all these disruptions some of them pandemic related, some of them related to other stuff. Right. And, and now is a really good time for everybody to think about regrouping and looking a little bit out in the future. I agree with you. And Crystal, I'm coming to you for your comment after what Hannah just shared there. One of the things that comes to my brain is, you know, she talked, spoke about the new realities. Well, I think the leaders and leadership teams that truly uh, embrace a new reality and, and kind of didn't, wasn't in denial, you know, that there's first movers. I think that's part of what uh, Hannah's talking about. It, it, it is what it is. We got to lean into it and then put a plan around it to, to, to navigate through it. But Crystal, what'd you hear there? So uh, I heard a lot, but but particularly in connecting the two stories that Hannah mentioned about when she came to the U.S. and then, you know, where she is in business and last year being able to pivot very quickly. Some of the things that came up for me as she was talking about is just how when you are one, you have a determination, right, to to move forward and adapt to the resilience, the resilience to come to this country with one suitcase, right? And to be in the position of where you are, I mean, that just speaks volumes. So to do the same thing uh, and not crumble under pressure of last year and even adapting your your market, um, I think it's just tremendous. And then I like the, what you talked about, about, you know, rethinking things. And I think that more leaders, uh, I had a very good, um, mentor and he said you need time and space to think Mm. and so i like that it just reminds us how important thinking about things and being able to to steal away separate from the crisis get quiet get still and rethink about the the possibilities so those are some of the things i heard 
And Crystal, I, I agree with you, this thing about thinking, but it's also reflecting, right? So I yes. try to put uh, time aside to reflect yes. on things, right? So it's both thinking and thinking out in the future, but also reacting uh, mentally to what happened and think about, you know, what went well, what didn't go well, what should I adjust, is this the right thing that we actually did, and, you know, those type of things. So, yeah, Agreed. reflecting is important. Agreed. And, you know, we can't, we can't let the machines do all the thinking and reflecting for us, right? We got to find that time. That's where, that's where some yes. of our biggest, most powerful innovations come from. And Sylvia, I agree with you. We got two female trailblazers here, two trailblazers in general, and we're both, we're big fans. I'm, I'm, I'm an acting uh, fan club member of both the Crystal Davis and the <laughs> Hannah Kane uh, fan clubs. Okay. So I want to talk about, you know, Hannah, you were making some, both of y'all are making some observations of some of what we're seeing out there. Let's deliberately kind of uh, embrace that topic. So especially related to creating opportunities for all or leadership best practices, what are you seeing out there in the current state? And Hannah, let's start with you. What, do you, what are you seeing out there? Well, I think business leaders need to understand that there has been a big shift going over the last couple of years. And, uh, and that big, the biggest shift that I'm seeing is relationship to employees, yes. right, to staff members. And, I, I, you know, I think uh, the old, some of the old paradigms are gone. And, you know, I never embraced some of those. those uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I never embraced some of those paradigms, but I think some leaders, uh, or maybe I shouldn't call them leaders, some, 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 some business uh, CEOs and others are in for big awakening because it, there's really the, this big shift going where, where um, it's not about making a paycheck. It's about being part of something bigger, uh, creating an environment where it's fun and engaging and challenging to go to work. You feel developed. You feel part of a bigger both mission and family, maybe. And and so I think the the employee relationship definitely are, are changing. And and uh, of course, with the talent crisis that that Crystal already touched on, you know. Uh, you really need to uh, help develop everybody and help elevate them. So we 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 started this many many years ago. I mean, basically, my philosophy when I started Alum was okay. We want to do right by everybody in the supply chain. We want to do right by uh, suppliers, employees, customers, and so everybody talks about being the the supplier of choice to the customers, right? But for us, it's also being the customer of choice to suppliers, right? And treating them right because they are actually people too. Guess what? Right. right? And 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 so and that for many companies that has not been a priority, right? They have not thought about this thing about treating suppliers right, and that came to backfire for them here during, right. the, during the last one and a half years, right? So, so I mean, they didn't get the first product rolling off the line, etc. So it's about treating them right and also finding the suppliers that maybe are in less privileged uh, communities or, uh, or areas and, and get them involved in, in, in the supply chain. 
And then it's about being employer of choice. And I think if I had to put a headline on where where I'm thinking everything is going, it's it's in that aspect, right? That you know it needs to shift big time for companies over to to that uh, being the employer of choice. So we started Elam University to upskill everybody, and Very not cool. just in 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 real um, in 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 their actual jobs, but also personal development. Right? Yeah. You know, how can we help everybody? And then here, doing uh, so many people are working from home, etc. You also need to help them live a productive life. And so some of the things we've done is reaching out to the families, trying to support the families, for instance, uh, with the education and, uh, educational offerings for kids and things like that. So you you really need to, to engage with the entire human being, right. uh, which includes their families. Uh, all right, Hannah, I love that. We could spend a week-long live stream on a lot of what you touched on there. Um, but one of the things I want to pull out, and Crystal, I'd love to get your response on what you're seeing. But thankfully, we are. You know, uh, I used to be in the metal stamping business that was some of my manufacturing time. And some of the suppliers would want to, or some of your customers would, would hit you over the head time and time again, right? Use lots of leverage to get what they want. Thankfully, uh, we just had a great uh, live stream yesterday about uh, some of the cool things going on in supply chain financing to get your suppliers paid earlier, right? Not put that pressure on them. And that's one element of what you're speaking to, Hannah, which is, you know, we, we, we hear about customer experience all the time, but it truly is time. It's been time to, to measure and work on the supplier experience because uh, to your point, Hannah, uh, suppliers have lots of options, just like customers. And we got to, we got to level those suppliers. Crystal, uh, what are you, what are you seeing out there? What'd you hear? What, what, what are you thinking? Yes, I love everything that Hannah that Hannah mentioned. I'll, I'll say a couple of other other points. You know, I I find that supply chain professionals, and I can say that because I am one. We're we're kind of stubborn. That's right. And I'm finding that more people are actually asking for help. Leaders are asking for help, right? And then they're involving more people in problem solving, asking for their ideas and solutions. And then the last thing I was talking to. Um, a former uh, boss of mine from automotive days. And he said, you know, Crystal, if I could just have one predictable day, I would be <laughs> so happy. He's like, every day it's unpredictable. And in our conversation, you know, he talked about how that weighs on his team. And he said, you know, we really need to understand who on our team wants to be here, who has, you know, the gas and the fuel to continue to figure this thing out. And so just really uh, having that level of awareness and understanding, not only that leaders are being challenged more, they need support. Um, Hannah mentioned reskilling. I can remember, I can't, I can remember back in, well, back in my day, it was very <laughs> rare that, that supply chain professionals and manufacturing people got, you know, like soft skill training. Right. That's right. right. And so um, those are some things that I see, you know, happening. Like people just want to be able to come in and know that, Something's predictable, right? Well, and they so I, I agree, Crystal, and and and, and I, I'm always saying, yeah, I wish I had a normal day every once in a while. And I was like, <laughs> well, how would I recognize it, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, 
but I think, uh, you know, if, if I look at some of the things that worry me, it's uh, wearing down the people, right? Because yeah. it's just yeah. been, uh, yeah. and, and I hear that from all my friends in supply chain, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, what has happened is we have a talent crisis, we have uh, too few people, we have mm-hmm. too few people managing very complex situations. Great. The technology is not up to snuff yet, yes. right? Yes. To deal with the complexities that we build into the supply chain. Yep. And so then we get the perfect storm and the only solution we have is we lean on the people we have. Right. Right? And, and and so we are wearing those people down and that's a big concern, I think, in supply chain. I'm with you. Two quick thoughts and then I'm going to share a couple of quick comments. We're in this burnout bubble and, you yes. know, it's really dangerous and, and we're seeing burnout perhaps. It's tough to gauge, you know, but but all levels of the organization. Um, and then secondly, you know, about technology, Hannah, I would argue that, 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 yeah, it's still, you know, with autonomous trucking, for example, we're still kind of waiting to get over some, some final hurdles there, especially safely and efficiently. Uh, but it's also being under leveraged or leadership teams are buying it. And then they're not, they're not giving their teams enough support to get it implemented effectively and in a customized manner. We're seeing a lot of that as well. So, so, so much. But I think, Scott, when you look at the last uh, uh, five to 10 years, we've built so much complexity into the supply chain. Yes. And, and, and so the complexity has effectively outrun the technology. So it's not that we don't have new technology. It's not that we don't use technology. It's just that the complexity is increasing faster than the technologies can catch up. That's a good point. It's yeah. like... <laughs> It's like a race and we're going fast, but we're still getting behind further and further behind. So that's a great point. And of course, consumers and, and, and our customers will continue wanting and demanding and expecting more, you know, which, which is one of the biggest, you know, complexity drivers in global supply chain. So a couple of quick comments here. I love what Greg says. Greg says communication from raw material to customer and back to raw material. Yes. Love that, Greg. Michael says one, just one predictable day in <laughs> supply chain. Sylvia says a paradigm shift needed with many hierarchy-based organizations. I see companies thrive when recognizing talent in everyone and building upon their strengths rather than trying to put square pegs in round Mm -hmm. holes. Excellent point. Greg says technology grows exponentially. That's right. And it'll continue to do so. I don't know if y'all can't remember the figure, but you know, AI has been all the rage for quite some time. It'll continue being all the rage. And I can't remember the last figure I saw of what's being budgeted for 2022. It's overwhelming. So yes, exponential growth. All right. So Crystal and Hannah, I really appreciate both of y'all weighing in on kind of what you're seeing. I want to, I want to talk specifically around the theme of today's conversation, which is creating opportunities for all, because despite all the disruption and innovation and kind of leadership challenges of our time, I'll call it that both of you have mentioned, oftentimes that does create opportunity, right? We've got to just make sure that it creates opportunity for everybody. So to that end, and uh, Hannah, I'll start with you here. What, you know, what do leaders need to be doing or not be doing to really help create and enable opportunities for all? What comes to mind? Well, so I think supply chain is a great career, right? And I always tell supply chain, young people to consider supply chain. There's so many opportunities and uh, listen, we are going to have a shortage in supply chain for for uh, at least another decade. And getting into a field where there's a shortage means there's lots of opportunities for growth. And, and so I, uh, I really, um, 
I really uh, endorse and, and, and encourage everybody to talk with young people about that. What what we're seeing right now is there's been a shift in in salaries, right? And 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 this has come from the e-commerce pressure, the more, more uh, the shift from retail to e-commerce, really, and and the the labor shortage really has driven up uh, um, uh, salaries uh, right. for entry level staff, and then there's a domino effect, and overall. I think it's a good thing, right? Because it does, it does, you know, if you look at sell, if you look at salary development uh, or compensation development over the last decade uh, or the two, last two decades, the the entry level positions really have fallen behind, right? and and what we're seeing now is a big time catch up, and so overall, I think that that's a really good thing that. It gives more opportunities and a lot of this will go out and do really good in families that really need that um, uh, uh, that extra support. Um, and so uh, I think as leaders, what we need to do is embrace that and also, as I said, make sure to upskill uh, everybody, include everybody, right? So this is about uh, getting the right people on the bus and the right people are the people who have the potential to grow, not just the people who look like us or whatever, it's people who have the potential to grow. And we then spend money upskilling them, understanding where they are coming from. And I think mm. that's part of the, the understanding that, that it's not just about how, who you hire, it's also how, how do you interact with them while they are, uh, while you're trying to grow them into the leaders at uh, your company and we all want, right? And so um, so part of what I'm concerned about is when I'm seeing things like the salary surveys in supply chain showing that women are making still mm -hmm. roughly 20% less than men, mm -hmm. right? For the same jobs, even in entry level positions, even with the same background, even when women come in with better background. So those are some of the things that we absolutely need to correct. I mean, I could be egoistical and say we don't do that at Elon, right? So we have a much bigger pool to to select from, right? right. Because uh, you know, all the other ones, uh, I could call them idiots, but then we are <laughs> we are on live stream, right? And so, uh, so all all the people who don't treat women and minorities right don't get that same choice, right? And right. and I believe it's a big competitive advantage, right? To, to, mm -hmm. Because I get a different uh, uh, group of le leaders in that are really the leaders of the future. And so I think some, some people are in for a rude awakening if they don't embrace both, both the diversity, but also the inclusion and, mm -hmm. and, and the belonging, right? And, 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 uh, so that's that's on one 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 area, and the other area I always look at is uh, suppliers, right? So having the suppliers that uh, that are diverse suppliers that are minority suppliers. So we have a really strong uh, 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 diversity uh, program, um, supply diversity program, because we want to reach out into those communities. So it's proven over and over again that uh, women-owned and minority-owned businesses reach out and employ 
uh, employees from yeah. from underserved communities and therefore have a bigger social impact. And so we embrace that and and are very very uh, conscious about growing that that. Uh, segment of our suppliers. So I think I think all leaders need to think about those type of things. And, uh, you know, I'm just uh, totally egoistic in what I'm doing here, right? Because, uh, of course, it's the right thing, but I'm winning because I'm doing it. All right. I love that, mm -hmm. Hannah. And, you know, Crystal, I swear we could hook up Hannah to a, um, uh, the power grid here in the States and we'd have sustainable energy for, for months. <laughs> um, but Crystal, so, so she kind of talked about uh, a variety of things there, but is mainly couched in um, kind of opportunities, including compensation for a lot of employees, as well as supplier diversity and, and creating uh, you know, contract opportunities for all. What are some of your thoughts, Crystal? Okay, so I, I'm going to piggyback off of, I'm going to forget kind of my answer to your original question because <laughs> I, I, I no, this is so critical, right? So there's a shortage of truck drivers. There's a shortage of suppliers. Uh, there's a sh shortage. There's shortages all around. And so never has there been a better time to actually in for small businesses and women owned businesses and minority businesses to really show up. I was sharing uh, Scott. I think I shared this with you. I was talking with a gentleman a few weeks ago and he said, oh, it's so hard to find women in supply chain. And I was like, where are you looking? Yeah. We're, we're everywhere. <laughs> where are you looking? Right. You know, and so uh, I just so encourage um, minority and small business owners to this is the time. Um, my friend uh, Vernice uh, Armour, she has a shirt that says a closed mouth don't get fed. This is the time <laughs> that you should be shouting from the rooftops, you know, that you are here and available to help uh, alleviate some of these pressures in the supply chain. I love right? it. And, I'm and 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 near sourcing, right? I mean, you know, yes. especially for US businesses, McKinsey did a survey asking, okay, what what uh what do supply chain professionals think about uh, supply chain leaders think about uh, as solutions to the supply chain crisis? And uh, a fair amount said near sourcing, but when you looked at who actually did it, it was way fewer. Right. Yeah, and, and, but I think near sourcing really solves a number of different uh, issues. It, it, it removes risk in, in supply chain and mm -hmm. it, it helps uh, the smaller uh, businesses uh, in the local community. And but there's, there's a one thing more, if I may. Scott, yeah, please, yeah. So the other th the thing I'm concerned about here as we are having uh, these supply chain issues going on is that it's really negatively impacting the small and mid-sized manufacturers, in yes. especially in the U.S. Yeah. And so what's happening right now is uh, because of the supply crisis, uh, everybody needs to place orders uh, further out, right? Yep. They also, if they buy from, uh, typically a lot of uh, those manufacturers get components in from Asia. Uh, they need to place bigger order quantities because the minimum order quantities have gone up. Then they need to pay the supplier when the when the product leaves the factory, but then the 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 product sits longer on the water and the, the transit time is much, much longer. Yeah. Then they need to get all the components in so that they can turn it into finished goods and then they turn it into cash. So now you have got this big... Yes cash crisis, this big outlay. And that's true for everybody, for all the right. big corporations too. Yes. But the small, mid-sized manufacturers are just hit much harder in that situation. 
Then add to that the risk that when they finally get the parts in sort of one year later, it's not the part they actually need or the market has gone, right? So you have this huge risk. And so while I'm thinking, okay, corporate company, big corporations, I'm expecting we are seeing some of these fluctuations um, go uh, onto their financials where they have to write things off or, and, and, and stuff. I think for the small, mid-sized companies, it could be a matter of survival, right? Really? I mean, a true cash crisis. So I'm really worried about that. Uh, I, so I'm with I, you. Go ahead, Crystal. I was just going to say, so am I, Hannah. It's, it's, um, um, and the other thing is that the larger corporations, are, of course, get first priority you know, for those raw material uh, suppliers. But but one of the things that, um, you know, that I've been talking, as I've been talking to midsize and small manufacturers is encouraging, encouraging them to really get more predictable on their forecasts. And yeah, that, that's revisit their, revisit their, you know, the products that really drive revenue, because if you're going to tie up your cash, you got to be focused on the something that's going to, to get you an immediate return. Um, and that's part of, of, of what I think leaders need to be doing is being bold about rethinking the products that, you know, are maybe just high, regular high volume versus the products that bring in more revenue and more profit margin and how that impacts them on the back end of the supply chain. They have to look at that marriage. Yes. All right. This is this is blown up into a full blown master class in supply chain leadership, which I love. Let me get a couple of quick comments in. And by the way, I got to start with. Uh, so this is Amanda. She says, I'm obsessed with Hannah and Crystal and uses that quote. A closed mouth doesn't get fed. That's such a great. Oh, Scott, you got to say it right. The Southern way. Oh, so, so. don't get <laughs> <laughs> Don't get fed. All right. Not proper English. That is a, <laughs> not proper English. Uh, I'm going to completely steal that from you and your friend, uh, Crystal. Uh, let's go back up here to Gene. And, and Gene, love your con your uh, contributions. Opportunity creation also exists at the grassroots level. The individual, and, and Crystal, Hannah, I'm coming there next on the individual. The reason I am becoming an Apex instructor, Gene says, is to help them find their path instead of depending on others. I love that, Gene. I love it. Bring it. Michael says supply chain is an outstanding way for young people to learn the nuts and bolts of the business because it literally touches yes. every department. And I would add to that, Michael, I agree. Hannah said no one does supply chain alone, right? And, and so it's, it's a whole ecosystem. You learn so much about global business through supply chain. Sylvia, Crystal, spot on. Where was he looking for talent? Going back to Crystal, your observation. And she also adds lead time from Asia has increased from six weeks to 16 weeks. Uh, one more comment. And then I want to touch on this individuals because you know, they don't get out of responsibility to finding opportunity. But Hannah, you brought up near sourcing and I love a lot of your thoughts around that one because it does address a lot of different things, but it also can help us take empty miles out of global supply mm -hmm. chains. Right. And a lot of, a lot, frankly, a lot of waste. And that's not, you know, that's not selfish thinking, right? It's not, uh, you know, nearshoring because of nearshoring. You know, it's really, there's opportunities for nearshoring globally, uh, right? And we're starting to see after some uh, a slow approach, we're starting to see some serious shifts. I think Turkey, the country of Turkey is having a record making apparel manufacturing year because of some of these resourcing decisions. And that's cool to see. Okay. So 
Yeah, I'll give one, one, both of y'all, if you would, one more quick final comment, and then I'm going to switch over to the individual side, uh, and we're probably going to spill over just a couple minutes. But Hannah, one final comment around le- what leaders must do to create opportunities for all. I think uh, helping everybody setting goals for themselves, right, mm-hmm. and 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 thinking about where they could go and open up everybody's eyes to opportunities, right? You know, I think evolutionary, we are uh, uh, set to look at things negatively. And the question is, how do we get everybody to open up, think about the opportunities for them, and really become CEOs of their own lives? I like that. I love that. All right, Crystal, one quick thought from you. Very similar response. I was going to say, uh, the more that they can help the individual find the meaning in the work that they do and invite them to really stretch, um, you know, out of the box thinking and take ownership of implementation. I think that's that's what they should be doing. Amen. The purpose principle is some of what I heard there. Um, OK, so let's let's talk. Let's keep going down that path. And, and we won't have as much time because I want to get to some of the policies we're seeing. So kind of your take in a nutshell here, but Hannah, if you were challenging those individuals to do something, to, you know, find those opportunities, earn those opportunities, you know, get their foot in the door. You know, we talked to this point about how leaders can help make that happen, but on the other side of the coin, speak for just a second to those individuals that want those opportunities. Uh, I think thinking about, first of all, you need to find an environment where you thrive. And uh, I see it a lot with, with women, uh, especially who are getting uh, pulled into environments where they don't thrive and they fight. Why stay there? Why help a company like that be successful? Go to where you are embraced and where you are really part of the family. And then find, uh, surround yourself with people who believe in you. And that's not yaysayers. That's people who believe in you, but also can tell you when you're wrong when you're on a bad track or can tell you uh, what 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 uh, other ways to look at things. And that can be from the workplace. And it's wonderful if you can find multiple people in the workplace. It's also friends. It could be spouse, partner, whatever. But uh, And then listen to them. Yes. But make your own decisions. I agreed. I, I got a quick personal message there from Amanda. Uh, saying, yes, listen to Hannah, listen to them, listen to them is what she says here. So, all right. So Crystal, same, uh, same quick question, you know, as you challenge those individuals along the lines of what Hannah did, what would you share? Um, I would just say upskill as much as you can in technology, technology that's going to be moving uh, the supply chain forward in understanding data, data and digital solutions. Like, Mm. I, 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 I agree with that. And then, you know, I mean, uh, Crystal is a coach, right? And, and, and I, I think uh, I think being uh, getting a coach is a really good thing as you're going up through the ranks and, and, and looking at being uh, in a, a learning environment. Think, you're, think of, so I'm learning all the time, right? Everybody's mm-hmm. learning all the time. Yeah. Think about being a, an active learner and, and, and what you can can learn in any given situation. That's part it. of the reflection I was talking about. I love Excellent. It. I, I do too. I, I love it too, Crystal. All right. So y'all get ready. I'm gonna get we're gonna have to get some quick hitters from y'all on some of the legislation that is going through Washington. But really quick, let's see. Greg says need more leaders investing in being mentors. That's an excellent mm-hmm. point. Michael, we constantly perform variance analysis to close the gap on forecasts, as Crystal brought Excellent. up earlier. 
Uh, Sylvia, self-set goals create results. Impose goals create resentment. Man, Sylvia, dropping mm-hmm. the goodness today. And I think this is Devin, I believe, says, let your own biases not impede yourself and don't try to change what's not valuing you, which Hannah kind of touched on earlier. Yesterday, I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today, I am wise, so I'm changing myself. And I thought, what's funny, because he uh, that's Rumi, I thought when I first read that, he, uh, he or she was celebrating the rum from the earlier part of our conversation. <laughs> so, it's, you know, kind of spiking the football with his comment there. So, love that. Okay. So, we, I knew this was going to be a very full conversation talking with two wonderful people that have so much to share. An hour doesn't do it justice, but let's move into some of the things we're seeing that will certainly be impacting industry uh, in the, if that, if they're not already are in the weeks to come. The Build Back Better plan and the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. Um, I want to get y'all's quick thoughts uh, on how you see that impacting both global supply chains as well as folks looking for opportunities. So Hannah, let's start with you. Uh, I, you know, I really uh, think I, I'm a big supporter of uh, getting our infrastructure out up to snuff. Yeah. I love that we are doing it. I think it's 10 years too late. Uh, and I think it's, uh, I actually also think it's too little. Right, because uh, I look at uh, at uh, what's happening at our ports, and I'm looking at the population growth and the wealth growth, and how much we are importing. And I'm thinking, if we are investing what we are investing now, we are going to thread water. We are not going to get ahead. We are going to thread water. Right. So, uh, so I really think that that uh, it's 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 the right thing to do. It's a little bit late too little and uh, you know I, I i was doing an analysis looking at the ports shipping into us versus uh, our port capacity and i am good the math doesn't work right, right. And, and so so we we are just falling behind so uh, so yeah it's 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 about time yeah excellent point sir hannah all right crystal what about you yeah, so I, I what I love about it are the opportunities, you know, again, going, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for women uh, owned businesses, small businesses. And so, so for me, I think that it's important that a business owner really reads through the bill, understands where they can play in the space, how they can align with either primes or second tier to, to, to get involved in this. And, and to Hannah's point, I mean, it's, it's just really, um, it's a start. <laughs> It's a start. And I think what needs to come behind this is, okay, what's our 20 year plan? Mm, right. Mm. This is just a start to relieve pressure. But right. what's our 20 year plan? I love that crystal uh, looking for the opportunities, right. That yeah. brings out the entrepreneur and all of us. Right. That is Absolutely. right. And, and crystal, as, as you've shared a little bit now and, and certainly appreciate, there's lots of opportunities that these acts present, right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you think about and, and learn and, and and it's important to understand the derivative of one section to another. Right. So if there's focus on climate change, that means there's a lot more manufacturing that's going to happen mm. of things that drive drive climate change. You look at their uh, expanding high speed Internet into like rural areas. So now manufacturing companies, uh, supply chain companies, they can match. Uh, technologies and data and EDI and all of those types of things much, much uh, better in, in rural areas. So so think about the derivatives and the connection points and, and find a, an opportunity to engage. Excellent point. And, you know, uh, we don't have time to get into it here today, but you touched on kind of that digital divide that exists. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a really 
it's a terrible thing. And so I think there hopefully there's a combination between government policy and the private sector that can attack that so that we can really create um, connectivity globally, uh, especially for you know the youngest generations that are still connecting the dots and, and trying to find their passion and purpose that both of y'all have spoken yes. to. Okay. And this, by the way, I got this wrong. This is Korai Kose, one of our favorite guests here that is always lurking in the skyboxes. Korai, I hope this finds you well. Great to see you. Okay, now as we start to wrap, I've got a, a bold question to ask the both of y'all for your bold, fearless responses, and that's going to be, what's one thing if you could if you could uh, bullet it down to one thing that business leaders can expect, put their money on, what's going to take place in 2022? What would that be? And Hannah, I'm gonna come to you first. Uh, well, I'm going to to stick with supply chain, right? Uh, I think the some people have said the supply chain crisis will be over in the beginning of 2022. Not so. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not just pandemic related, right? Uh, though, again, the pandemic doesn't look to really let up, right? But right. but um, but it's also it's it's uh, regulatory, it's it's uh, trade policies, it's uh, uh, weather events, it's a number of different things impacting the supply chain and and. It's not going to. It's going to get easier in the second half of 2022. Is my prediction, but it's going to be there. And then you know we already spoke about the the personal uh, uh, people relationship within the companies. And I think uh, I always believe collaboration works, inclusion works, uh, respect works. So uh, I, I think that there's a big shift going, and people who are the business leaders who are not embracing that and being part of the leadership in that will really be left behind. I love that Hannah. All right, I'm coming to you next Crystal, but, but what Hannah just mentioned there to me reminds me of what I call the, so what factor. And you think about all the decisions and all the decisions that weren't made prior to the pandemic because of this small little reason or that small little reason, what one of the big shifts I'm seeing is when we hear that kind of stuff, so what? It needs to happen. It needs to be done. Uh, we heard from a, one of the panel panels we were on a few months back, one of the big hardware companies were talking about pre-pandemic, how their employees wanted uh, an easier way to submit reimbursements for um, you know expenses. And they held it up, this, this great innovation, make life easier for some stupid reasons, she called it. So it, it was like she, she said, what were we thinking as, as we kind of get through the pandemic and what really matters rises to the top? So that those are some great shifts I'm seeing. Crystal, for 2022, what's your one big thing we can business leaders can expect? Um, that if they don't adapt, they will die. I think, you know, uh, Jeremy's book is so apropos right now. And I, I think that they have to be prepared to accelerate their ability to bring in technology, to bring in digital solutions that bring data to the people that make decisions, you know, within their organizations every day. It's just a no brainer now. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Adapt or perish might be a, a, a easier, a, a there you easier go. on the ears way of putting it, there but <laughs> either one gets the message across to your point, Crystal, yeah. right? They have to adapt. I mean, yeah, that's it, right. it, you know, you can't, you can't resist the change. You can't be, uh, and, and not picking on too much, but you know, Sears and Roebuck is such a great example. You know, they really clung to, you know, retail of, of previous states. I'll call it right. And you know, unfortunately, that, that's been quite a story to, to understand. And, and especially as you see store after store close. 
but nevertheless. Okay, so Hannah, I want to make sure, as everyone's a member of the Hannah Kane <laughs> fan club, how can folks connect? I mean, y'all, you, you've shared some yeah, things. Noshing, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's not just us. Your company, uh, ALOM, has received a ton of recognition, uh, especially uh, around a bunch of different fronts, but I love the purpose-driven stuff and to give back, give forward activities that y'all are regularly uh, participants in. How can folks connect with you and ALOM? First of all, Scott, I want to say I've got great staff members and they are the ones carrying the company, right? So, uh, uh, you know, I'm very fortunate. And uh, our URL to a website, www.alom.com, A-L-O-M.com. And uh, we, of course, I'm on LinkedIn. So uh, my user ID is Hannah Kane. So that should be nice and simple. And if uh, somebody wants to try my email, it's uh, it's kane at alom.com. Love it. I'm always looking for more simplicity in life. Simple things are great things. I, and this is real. Don't, and, and make fun of me if you will. But we had some lights out. I went to the store, got a big old box of light bulbs. And I spent you know, an hour or so with a ladder and light bulbs going around the house, unscrewing the, the ones that didn't work and plugging the new ones in. And I'll tell you all, that simplicity of problem meets easy solution. And you could do it right there. I could change light bulbs all week, folks. I really could. Uh, we're, we're, we're hunting down that simplicity. But Crystal, <laughs> can, okay, it I, only takes one Scott to get put in the light bulb. <laughs> you're, you're, Amanda's not turning the ladder. I promise. Uh, we tried that. Uh, Crystal, uh, how can folks connect with you? Absolutely. So uh, our website is the name of the company, theleancoachinc.com. And you can also find me on LinkedIn. I hang out there a lot. Crystal Wider. I love the, the the POVs. I know your uh, you know your, your LinkedIn lives are so good, and I know that work has gotten busy, uh, but yes. you're looking at reinventing that in a new year. But I really appreciate the knowledge you drop on LinkedIn very regularly, both of y'all. Uh, and it's a pleasure and a treasure to have y'all here for the last hour as we work through some of the biggest topics of our time. So with all of that said, folks, make sure you connect with Hannah Kane, connect with Crystal Davis, learn from these two individuals as, as much as we have um, in, in the last couple of years. Yes, Michael, learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. That's Continuous. Isn't it though? Isn't it though? Although the one you shared earlier, the closed <laughs> mouth, don't get, get fed. <laughs> so folks, Hopefully you've enjoyed these conversations as much as I have. Big thanks to Hannah Kane and Crystal Davis for joining us here today. Be sure to connect with them. Big thanks to all the folks behind the scenes, uh, Clay and Amanda and Paul and all the other folks who helped make today's live stream happen. Most importantly, folks, if you if you listen to anything here today, you got to take action. You got to be like Crystal and Hannah. Do good. Give forward. Be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here on Sapache Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. <laughs>